And welcome to Stack Hunters. I'm your host, Bradley Stalder. And tonight, Dario Ofstein is joining me, head of projections, head of all things when it comes to the data that you see on Player Profiler. It's such a pleasure having Dario join me. We're going to jump into some best ball rankings tonight. Dario and I have put our heads together in the best ball space to identify some players that we think that you should be targeting in these very early best ball drafts and some players that maybe you should be avoiding at their ADP, allow them to fall to you. And uh, definitely we're going to discuss what the first round uh, and in particular, that big seven should look like for you in your fantasy drafts, your way too early 2024 best ball, uh, best ball streets, best ball drafts. Dario, welcome to stack hunters. I'm happy to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. I mean, I've been kind of following along with your stuff for as long as I can remember. Um, so I'm ready to hunt some stacks with you. <laughs> yeah. Dario and I, if you are new to player profiler podcasted a few times this past summer, when we were on man versus machine together, Theo Greminger was there. I think Billy may have popped in for one of those as well. So this was, uh, has been a lot of fun pairing with Dario and we're back at it here on stack hunters, all of that and more right after this. So Dario, one of my roles is as head of news desk, right? And so all of the news, whether it's rumors, whether it's speculation, whether it is shady Instagram posts, all get sent my way. And one of my roles is to decide and determine and discern what is the news that player profiler needs to report on and what spin we should take and, and consulting with many of our stars in the news desk. But we'll start with this first player um, that is very high in our ranks relative to the ADP on underdog fantasy. Use the promo code underworld, get a hundred percent to buy the match up to a hundred dollars. Brandon Ayuk was just in some Instagram turmoil where one of his friends hinted that he would not return to San Francisco after only three receptions in the Super Bowl. There were some interviews after the Super Bowl where Ayuk uh, was not completely sold on returning either. Like that was definitely the vibe we were getting. Uh, we are higher than consensus on Brandon Ayuk. Uh, I think we're about uh, almost a half round higher versus ADP in our rankings. Uh, I I am very optimistic about Brandon Ayuk. Definitely a 25 plus percent target share type of player. An alpha X plays on the outside. And if he goes somewhere else on even uh, an average offense or above average offense, we could see a massive season. Is that what we're, we're banking on? Or are there other perspectives and reasons why we are higher than ADP on Brandon Ayuk? I, I have a hard time seeing San Francisco letting him out. Um, you know, he's got his fifth year option to play still this upcoming season. I just, you know, had to go and look that up. So he's, he's pretty locked in. He was a first round pick, got that fifth year option signed. I mean, he's going to get, he's going to be making pretty much more money than he's made in all his other years in the NFL combined on the fifth year option. I think this is one of those news items that you just kind of, we're going to, we're going to forget about a month from now. Um, 
So I, I'm inclined to draft him on the assumption that he will still be in San Francisco and he will still be absolutely feasting with Brock Purdy as his quarterback like he did in 2023. I mean, we saw him put up just absolutely crazy efficiency metrics as yards per route run, you know, targets per route run were all there. And last year, the thing to keep in mind is Kittle, Ayuk, Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey all stayed healthy. Those four, or I mean, Debo Samuel missed maybe three or four games. So between those four, yeah. yeah, between those four guys to stay healthy for, you know, what is that? Uh, 17 times four back of the napkin, 78, 68, 68 right. Uh, only four games missed out of those 68 possible games between those four guys. That's uh, probably not likely to repeat itself, I would say. And Brandon Ayuk, whenever any one of those other three is missing his ceiling just elevates to another level so between that we know he's an absolute stud um and brock pretty being willing to throw that deep ball to him a little more than uh than than jimmy Garoppolo ever was is uh very very nice yeah we're here for the brandon Ayuk in my first 2024 early best ball draft on the FFPC. I drafted Brandon Ayuk along with Theo Greminger in round number two. And I felt really good about back end of round two for Brandon Ayuk. We want to be higher on Ayuk because as you mentioned, San Francisco stayed healthy in the game where uh, Debo Samuel was out. We saw Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle feast it, it is a condensed target share to just those guys when one of the others miss and they're very efficient when it comes to uh, to playing in this San Francisco Kyle Shanahan offense. So we want to be in on Brandon Ayuk. Also, Brock Purdy is someone that is going a little bit later, not too hard to stack with. So yeah, I mean, Brock Purdy's yeah. ADP is 91, so you're getting him in what is that like the eighth round pretty much without having to reach you'll probably get some drafts where he's falling to the ninth um and once you get to that point like if you're trying to stack for example the lamar jackson's the um you know josh allen's of the world you need to worry about like what exact position you have in the draft in order for that stack to even have a reasonable chance of coming together but we're basically telling you as long as you have any pick in the latter half of the second, you should be looking at Brandon Ayuk and stacking Brock Purdy is no problem in that eighth round. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk in 2023 had a 9.39 best ball value rating, uh, which was wide receiver 17. And uh, that that's inclusive of some of the you know the others that it, it just in that similar tier. So we saw him really hit some spike weeks this season and i think with brand with uh brock purdy as the quarterback we were able to see him win on the outside that was the difference between him and uh purdy and garoppolo garoppolo was not able to get the ball to the sidelines as easily um and he struggled with accuracy from time to time i'm i mean billy one of the reasons why billy was losing his hair for many uh many months when Garoppolo was the quarterback was because of the inaccuracies and unwillingness to uh, get the ball to the, the likes of Brandon Ayuk. So I think that this is an, a, a player that we want to be targeting 
in the the back end of the second, maybe early third of our draft. So yeah, um, his I mean his A dot air yards share, you know, yards per target, yards per reception, all of those spiked last year. You mentioned the best ball value rating. I mean, he was 123 best ball points added per mm-hmm. our metrics. Um, so firmly established himself in that top tier of wide receivers for sure. Great. Well, we're very in on Brandon Ayuk for 2024. We're also in on a running back from the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's Travis Etienne. Etienne, we have five spots above ADP. He's uh, being drafted. It looks like at 25th over uh, at like 30th overall. So mid third round, we put him at the the two, three turn or even in the second round. And Travis Etienne was a player that we he paid off like he paid off his ADP. And the shift that we saw from 2022 to 2023 had to do with the pass catching. Right. He was involved more in the passing game. And that's even with Calvin Ridley being added to this offense and Evan Ingram leading all tight ends and targets. So for Travis Etienne to also be a touchdown maker and get targets out of the backfield, I think he's a little undervalued here. And that's what's indicated in our best ball rankings here at playerprofiler.com. Brandon Ayuk this past season, or uh, I'm not Brandon Ayuk. Now we're on to Travis Etienne was the 14th overall player in terms of best ball value. So I, I think for getting him in the third round, that's a nice little value. Um, and the Jaguars offense really sputtered near the end. I think a more consistent offense is in the works for the Jaguars. And that means more goal line work, better touches for ETN. Give us a little bit more based on this third round ADP. Yeah, I, absolutely there with you. I remember you and I were sitting down running through V1 of these best ball rankings and it was very clear. We were like, doesn't ETN seem like he should be going in like the late second round, maybe even the mid second? Like, this is a guy who, when when redraft rolls around and like all those sites have their default ADPs, I'm sure that Travis ETN will be like 16th overall or something like that. Maybe that point will fade him, but he delivered in a strong way. Went from 12 points per game, his, I mean, not really his rookie year because of the injury, but his first year playing last in 2022, 12.1 PPR points a game, up to 16.6 this last year. Uh, got a little bit luckier in the red zone, but that role is probably not going to go anywhere for him. And I, I'm right there with you. I mean, this is just a solid value at the current moment in drafts. I think the reason you're seeing a lot of these running backs get faded is because you can fall behind big time at the wide receiver position fast in these underdog drafts. But you have to keep in mind last season, we saw zero RB absolutely crush, but zero RB is not always the optimal strategy every year. I think out of the four years that underdog has been the preeminent platform, I think those first three years, the teams that took it all home or hero RB teams. So if you can get a strong anchor running back in that first or second round, maybe it's ETN right at that two, three turn. Um, I think you're still setting yourself up nicely to tally a lot of points. And especially with these earlier off season drafts, 
you're talking about just security in terms of points and a lot of these teams a lot of these players are going to have big shifts in their valuation Travis Etienne does not shape up to be one of those guys as a starting running back on a above average offense in terms of pace of play in terms of targets to the running back um so he's very much kind of a locked in value for us at the moment yeah, this is a player who is currently going around like the run. Well, he's our running back nine and he has still room to pay off. One of the tough things about running back is that if they get injured, there's not really room to pay off. And so you could see Travis Etienne finishing as the running back five, running back six, running back seven and paying off that ADP. Whereas it's much harder for a player like Jonathan Taylor, who is the RB five in our rankings like there's just not a lot of room for error. And given the volume that we anticipate from Travis Etienne, Tank uh, Bigsby did not do much in terms of being Tank Bigsby. Like, all, all he did was prove he's never going to make it in the NFL. <laughs> it was so sad. I drafted too much Tank Bigsby last year uh, as, as a handcuff. And Etienne did not suffer, you know, significant injuries that, that lasted uh, much of the season at all. And so, while injuries happen from time to time, we know that that happened for Christian McCaffrey when we were talking about San Francisco earlier in the program. Uh, Travis Etienne is a player that the the Jaguars are going to be smart about. They've invested first round draft capital in him. You know, yes, it was Urban Meyer, but look, he was a player that they've invested significant sponsorship in. And when it comes to what he can provide for you is not only volume and trusted volume like a Saquon Barkley, which is why we have Barkley and ETN back to back in the rankings. Like they are volume driven back end RB ones who in the right scenario can get into that top five and still pay off. So uh, Travis ETN, we are above ADP on. All right. So before we move on, we have a word about our Dynasty Dominator app. It's a great app. Make sure you guys are downloading it. And we've got a word from Matt Kelly about how awesome it is. Now, I know many of you are looking for a secret weapon for your Dynasty League, and I have it. It's called the Dynasty Dominator app. You go to the App Store, go to Google Play. It's right there. It's $5 to download, and then every year it's $5 to load the next incoming class of rookies. You can add Superflex, add tight end premium. It's incredible. Because it allows you to look up players, it allows you to vote on whether a player is a buy, hold, or sell, and then see the market sentiment on that player. And you can compare their lifetime value rating from Player Profiler to their Dynasty ADP at the FFPC, all in the price lookup tool. And beyond that, we have a trade analyzer, so you'll never lose another Dynasty trade again. And in our settings, you can set, this is a win-now team, this is a rebuilding team, and then we let you compare players. Look at their metrics side-by-side. Prospect metrics, NFL metrics. It's all there. It's five bucks in the app store. There's some add-ons for Superflex and to buy the upcoming rookie class. Every year, you're going to spend $5 on this thing. And it's going to be well worth it. That's right. It is well worth it. It's a great tool to have, too, when you're just trying to create this uh, dynasty sense. You don't necessarily, like, I don't have all the players memorized, but also I don't use it like religiously, but it is something to just remind myself of this sense of where the players are as like a litmus test of, 
okay, is this the direction I want to go? Here are the general like values. Maybe where is there an edge in my evaluation versus what maybe the market or, or even what you know Dario and the team have set up from the player profiler side. Um, so it's definitely a valuable tool. Make sure you guys are downloading it and reloading every year. Yeah, I mean, it's basically got all all you could need to dominate your dynasty leagues. That's why we call it that. All right. Well, we will move on to a player. We Look, we've been so optimistic to start Stack Hunters, <laughs> Dario. We've been praising Brandon Ayuk and Travis Etienne. We've got to talk about a player that we're a little bit lower on. Uh, this year, and that is Devontae Adams. We are about a half round below ADP on Devontae Adams. Adams this past year was still useful for fantasy in terms of best ball value rating, uh, but he was the 30th overall player, 31st overall player in terms of best ball value rating, but he fell behind Amari Cooper, Tank Dell, Jamar Chase, Actually, Jamar, you know, pretty good. But like DJ Moore as well was significantly <laughs> higher. Uh, Nico Collins was higher than Devontae Adams. And I think there are a few factors that played for Devontae. And Dario, maybe you can also chime in too when uh, back me up on these. But Devontae Adams, I think we, we face a few things. One is the age cliff. He's past, he's going to be 32, I think, here coming up shortly. Um, we also have quarterback concerns. We don't think it's going to be Aiden O'Connell. And when it was Aiden O'Connell this past season, we saw a lot of inconsistency. And then the third issue that I'm I'm running into is, let's say he's not on the Raiders in 2024, which is a non-zero chance. There's been some chatter about Aaron Rodgers trying to recruit Devontae Adams to New York Jets. And I think that would be good for Adams from a, a morale standpoint. I think it would be bad for Adams from a fantasy standpoint when you're competing with Garrett Wilson, who is an up and coming you know, player. He's getting drafted at the one, two turn. And I think that that would be bad for Devonte Adams. So there are a few factors that play your paths of failure for Devonte. And I'm not, I haven't drafted almost any Devonte in any of the dozens of early 2024 best ball drafts so far. I just see too many paths for failure what is your take on Devonte Adams as we're entering the 2024 season? I think it, it's tough because I, you know, you don't want to bet against someone with that much talent. He's probably still the best route runner in the league. Um, but like you said, the Raiders are cooked at the quarterback position. No one knows what they're going to try to do this off season. And I'm with you that getting traded to um, the Jets wouldn't necessarily improve his his outlook or his ceiling from a fantasy perspective so like there's just some guys behind him that we'd rather have at the moment i mean tank dell michael Pittman, chris olave stefan diggs are all going behind Devonte adams and adp right now and i think that there's a strong case for each of those guys to be going ahead of him that's i mean that's why we haven't ranked that way um, among wide receivers. And again, it, it's still the third round of your fantasy drafts. We're not saying Devonte Adams is bad, um, but I think that it's just a little bit tough to see that path to success. Like you said, that path to paying off that ADP is a little thinner. I mean, this is 
I believe that makes him wide receiver 15 in ADP, and he finished as wide receiver 15 in points per game last year. That's full PPR. Maybe a little. Maybe it was a little lower in half, which is uh, the underdog setting. But there's, there's he's wide receiver 19 flag. in our rankings right now, um, and he's going 24th overall. Um, so this is you know this is a, a player that. Uh, yes, you're getting wide receiver steamed up in the best ball streets on underdog, but you know this is a, a player we we have to have concerns. You know that there's pathways for him to not pay off, and there there's nicer players that. Uh, yes, we've seen some ceiling, some massive ceiling from Devonte Adams, but I think over the last two seasons we've also seen a much scarier floor, and like at least Stephon Diggs is going to get you eight to ten points on his bad days in full PPR. Devonte Adams, he may not goose egg, but uh, two for thirty is uh, is kind of what we're looking at, and and with the uncertainty of quarterback, I don't see how it gets any better. So the best days for Devonte Adams are behind him. Uh, is obviously it, wherever you're drafting, whether it's FFPC, I think he can be, you know, had a little easier in those types of drafts where there's tight end premium and there's other players that can go into that type of round. But I'm not looking to say Devonte Adams is a target. Just too many questions, too much uncertainty, and uh, more pathways to failure than I'd like. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there you know as sad as it is to see you know some someone who absolutely dominated the position in fantasy for really a five-year stretch um start to kind of dwindle in terms of that standing but that's uh that's father time it's unbeatable father time is unbeatable uh we've got another um lens that we want to take a look at we're going to of course talk about some player and player takes moving forward but when we're starting our fantasy drafts we're going to look not not just in the first round but we're going to like you know adjust our telescopes you know we're going to adjust the microscopes and and take a look that there is a clear top seven i think there that it's clearly a top seven and that any of the other players are more player takey shots than anything. If you run into these in the best ball streets, if one of these, another player outside of these top seven enter into the seven, I think that I think these aren't going to move very much. And the top players are consensus. McCaffrey is number one. We've seen some Tyreek Hill go one, but Hill is usually going, uh, you know, second or third CD lamb is also going second or third here. Uh, Jefferson chase breeze hall and Amon Ross St. Brown round out those top seven. We have the McCaffrey Hill lamb chase Jefferson hall St. Brown. I don't think there's much haggling about who needs to be in the top seven, but Dario, you and I haggled about, is it Tyreek Hill? Is it CD lamb? Is it chase? Is it Jefferson? Um, and even if there's like a, uh, a tier within these where, you know, I'm on Ross St. Brown feels like he is the tier above all of the others, but he is not necessarily in the Hill lamb chase Jefferson tier as well. So, um, 
this has been like I haggled with Hill Lamb. You you messed around with it too. I think we ultimately settled on Hill and then Lamb, but they were within decimal points. Point zero two best ball value rating compared to each other, so extremely close, um, neck and neck. I think the the difference here is uh, twofold. One is their quarterback. Uh, Dak is, I think, a superior quarterback. And two is the age cliff. Tyreek Hill, much older than C.D. Lamb. Um, but it's still Hill over Lamb for now in these 2024 best ball streets. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit more too. Yeah, I mean, C.D. Lamb's currently going two in ADP, 2.5 right now. Tyreek, 3.3. Jefferson, 3.8. Those are a really tight cluster. I probably am going to end up with the least CD lamb out of those three guys that are going um, right behind McCaffrey. I just, I mean, maybe it's a little bit of Cowboys hate flowing through me subconsciously, but I don't think he's as talented as Jefferson or Hill. I mean, I think that we saw what, what will ultimately be Dak's best season in his career Last season, I don't trust Mike McCarthy to stay as pass-heavy as they became down the stretch last year. So I think we see CeeDee Lamb come back closer to what we've seen for him over the course of his career. And Justin Jefferson, over the course of his career, has simply never let us down. So I think I'm, I'm you know, it might, might be a little bit of a hot take, I guess, in the February best ball streets but I'm comfortable taking Jefferson as high as two overall. And I think Tyreek Hill, you mentioned like, you know, the best ball value rating comparing those guys. Only reason Tyreek Hill isn't blowing CD lamb out of the water is that late season injury. Uh, I'm sure that up to that point, Tyreek Hill was ahead and then he just kind of sputtered those last four or five games still finished, you know, leading the league in yards. Um, so I don't think, and then Lamb did finish with like an explosive game at the end of the season too in the fantasy playoffs. So, yeah. you know, there it, the weight of those, you know, the best ball value rating doesn't weigh the playoff games more heavily because of just random variance, frankly, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Tyreek Hill, I think it was the game against Tennessee week 14 that he got banged up. And if you look at his 12 games prior to that, he was outside the top five receivers in fantasy three out of 12 weeks. Just absolutely ridiculous production. Uh, I, I don't think that Mike McDaniel is going to change the offense all that drastically, keep him as the centerpiece. Like you, you mentioned the age cliff, but I think someone with a skill set like Tyreek's is just so unique as long as he still has that half a step on everyone else in the league i still think he's going to be doing just fine for us in fantasy so i i like his you know this is a long way of saying you can't really go wrong with any of those top seven but i mean i i'm probably slightly fading cd lamb at that adp um jamar chase you know we expect a rebound with joe burrow healthy Hopefully, I mean, last offseason and just everything we saw with the Bengals over the entire season was a lower floor than, frankly, anyone imagined for that team. 
Uh, and then I also don't mind. I mean, it's between Brees Hall and Amon Ross St. Brown rounding out that top seven. I just love both those guys. Like I'm have if I land a, you know, if I draw pick six or pick seven in my draft, I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I've got one of these two guys that I absolutely love. Um, so it's, you can't really go wrong there. No, you can't really go wrong. And I think Jefferson, to your point, being drafted at the 102, I think is totally fine. Um, he was a player that absolutely crushed at the beginning of the season and the end of the season with the injury smack dab in the middle. Um, but he was also able to produce with those, the, the backup quarterbacks, even you know without Kirk Cousins at the end of the season. Our concern, though, the reason why he's at five, and we have to be a little nitpicky, is there is a wide range of outcomes of how the Vikings are going to address the quarterback position. Kirk Cousins is a free agent. He's coming off the Achilles injury. Do they draft someone? Do they bring back Cousins? Is Cousins healthy by the time the season starts? Uh, that's a major question. Do they bring in a free agent? There's a lot of... Um, possibilities for how Minnesota is going to attack it. But I don't think there's any reason for Justin Jefferson to fall outside of the top five, really uh, given his proven production at whoever steps behind center for the Vikings. So that ties up the big seven. We're also going to move down the rankings a little bit, but talk about a pair of teammates that are going very close in the ADP streets and that is the Baltimore Ravens, Mark Andrews and Zay Flowers. They are both going very close to each other. I believe at the end of the, that the four or five turn, if I my updated best ball rankings are, are up, updated best ball ADP is there. Um, it looks like they are, yeah, Mark Andrews at about 54, Zay Flowers at about 46. So that you're able to get both of them pretty easily. And then you're also... Lamar Jackson is at 38. So you're you're probably going to have to take Jackson and then one of those two. Uh, you're probably not going to be able to get Jackson and both of them unless one of them falls significantly. I've tried a few times an underdog and it, so far it just hasn't hit. But if you are picking between taking Zay Flowers usually as your second or third wide receiver in this draft or taking Mark Andrews as your first tight end, who are you going to take, Dario? Let's say you've drafted Lamar Jackson in underdog. Are you taking Andrews at the tight end, or are you taking his number one receiver in Zay Flowers? Well, I'm personally taking Andrews, and this is how we have it in our rankings. I think that Andrews you know, has more chance to provide you that separation within his position than Zay Flowers does. And then, I mean, speaking of concerning player news, I mean, I'm surprised that Zay Flowers' ADP hasn't really taken a hit since that report surfaced about a domestic violence issue in Baltimore. I think it was sometime yes. last week. He's being um, investigated right now. There are no charges at this point. Right. Which, I mean, we know the NFL is very slow moving on some of these things. Like, it could be very well a 2025 suspension. Um, if anything comes to light. Uh, but I, I think that there's a lot of indicators that, I mean, when they were both on the field together, Mark Andrews was drawing more targets. Zay Flowers, he looked really good in a few games, but he also just, there were some benchmarks that you look at for rookie wide receivers where he was 
kind of just good, not great. Um, like I think his I'm pulling up his route run, his per route stats right now, but you know, his yards per route run 1.67. You really want to see a rookie clear two um, to be kind of vaulted into this position that he's being vaulted into right now. His targets per route run only 21%. So you really want to see that closer to 28 ish. Ideally upwards of 25 is kind of, you know, what I consider the, the benchmark for like, are you good at ball? Um, and again, rookies can, rookies can come in a little bit below that and still grow in their role. Um, I think the biggest upside case for either of these guys and just the Ravens passing game as a whole is that their defense cannot possibly be as good as it was last year. And they're going to be in closer games. They're going to be in games where they have to throw the ball more. But I think that Andrews with his track record with Lamar Jackson and the ability to separate among the tight ends is more interesting there to me. Um, Just some other receivers in this territory. Like, I mean, Drake London's going slightly ahead of Zay Flowers. I certainly prefer him. Amari Cooper is right around that same range. I mean, the Browns are kind of another mess unto themselves. I think there's, but, you know, Jordan Addison is there in the fifth round. I think Rome Odunze is going to be really interesting. Jaden Reed is another guy who kind of flashed in spurts as a rookie. Um, And I think I might be, we have him slightly behind Flowers, um, but that's another guy that I think is really exciting. So it's just an interesting tier there at wide receiver, whereas Mark Andrews very much has the potential to have a tight end one overall season. And I think that's a lot more valuable at that point in your draft. It also, you know, it's going to depend on the context of the rest of that team you've drafted. If you have a running back and Lamar in those first four rounds, you probably should take Zay Flowers because if you have a running back, a receiver, a tight end within your first five rounds, then you're going to be really behind the eight ball at wide receiver. So I think it depends on the context of the rest of that team that you're drafting up to that point. And then you're going to want to just follow that, you know, obviously get a little bit of exposure to both, but in a vacuum, one draft, you know, we're saying take Andrews. Yeah, Andrews is the pick for me as well. They were virtually neck and neck in terms of best ball value rating. And you also have to understand Andrews was dealing with injuries for part of that part of the season. And even when he played in the playoff game, he was coming back from missing significant amount of days. So a significant amount of weeks and and quickly turning it around. So we are here for Mark Andrews being the pick here, especially stacking with Lamar. You mentioned the positional differentiation and Zay flowers, you know, was not great. Um, You mentioned the yards per route run, but also from the best ball value rating uh, he was, where was he like is 65th overall in terms of best ball value rating last year. Uh, that was behind the likes of Adam Thielen. That was behind Jacoby Myers, Jordan Addison, DeAndre Hopkins. Like Jacoby even Myers. With, <laughs> yeah. Like as, as a complete aside, I will always be pro Jacoby Myers. And he is, he is the new Tyler Lockett. 
Jacoby Myers is the new Tyler Lockett. He will be perpetually undervalued. He'll always be viewed as the wide receiver two on his team until Devontae Adams gets traded. But he is the player that we saw now have bigger spike weeks on the Vegas Raiders. And especially in the games where Devontae Adams disappeared. Imagine if Devontae Adams is actually gone from the Raiders. Darren Waller was gone. Yes, give me all of the Jacoby Myers at his ADP. Right now, Jacoby Myers is going as the wide receiver. Wow, we're, I'm scrolling way down here. All the way to... Man, I think I even lost him. It was that bad. Uh, Jacoby Myers is going as wide receiver... Am I 46. Right? 46. Holy buckets. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Jacoby Myers, a very easy pathway to pay that off. Whereas Zay Flowers, it's going to be much more difficult for a Zay Flowers to pay off wide receiver 29, where he has really no room for error. He's got to be a top 24 wide receiver on a team that doesn't throw the ball a ton. And when they do, Andrews is the first read on the offense. So, yeah, give us give us some Mark Andrews in the Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews debate, even with the positional value of three guys start three wide receivers. But Andrews can access some ceilings that other tight ends can't. So give us give us a Mark Andrews. 100%. All right, we've got a couple other people uh, in the chat saying Manju's going to be overlooked for sure if he's healthy. Uh, I agree. <laughs> there has been some criticism, though, Dario, about Andrews. Uh, when I put out my initial best ball rankings, I had Andrews pretty high. And some of the criticism I received was, how can you rank a piece of glass so high in your fantasy <laughs> rankings? <laughs> and and I replied back, you know, he's he's obviously not made of glass. He is a raven for sure. But the reality is, is Andrews can access, give you access to ceilings that others can't. And then we also saw uh, the Isaiah likely tight end pay off significantly as well. So you you get Andrews and you get likely and maybe one other tight end and you've got it on lockdown because likely was also crushing it from a best ball perspective near the end of the season when I don't know if something wasn't right at the beginning with likely when he took over for Andrews or Andrews had to miss a couple games, but when likely really looked like the second best receiving option on the Baltimore Ravens near the end of the season. I'm, I'm very curious where the, piece of glass takes are coming in from because i mean before last season mark andrews had missed two games in his career according to our uh you know injury tracking so i think yeah people overreacting to one injury in one season is the peak peak by low type of situation i mean we're he averaged more points per game last year than he did in 2022 across more games. Um, and he was the number three tight end that season. This year, the tight end position just simply did a little better. I mean, he was the number five tight end, even though he went up in points per game. I think we're going to see that stay the case a little bit. The tight end market is getting competitive with, you know, we saw the the sort of um, youth movement at the tight end position. But man i don't know if, if you're calling if someone's going to be calling mark andrews injury prone and that's why his adp is where it is i will gladly be overweight on him this season 
I will also be overweight on him this season. I love adding him as one of the tight ends. I've been clicking so consistently in the early rounds, um, given the value that we're seeing and give me him over a Trey McBride. I know that's a little bit of a, uh, people would uh, not like that take, but <laughs> give me, give me Mark Andrews over Trey McBride. There's also a couple of people in the chat. Shout out to Tyler. Uh, I will not stop taking Drake London. The Ram systems always had a wide receiver get littered with targets. I'm here for Drake London. He's not in the show sheet, but he's a player that I've been pretty easily clicking in that. Like um, the, did I, did I change your mind there? I remember we were talking about the rankings two weeks ago and you were like, Oh man, Frank London, you had some trepidation there. This is changing tune. Maybe I'm changing my tune on Drake London now that I'm staring at him in the best ball streets. You know, I'm getting my feet wet. I am, uh, in the words of Evan Silva, I'm capitulating on Drake <laughs> London. Shout out to Silva, uh, the man, the myth, the legend. But Drake London's going as wide receiver 27. And given his yards per route run, given his target share, um, I think. Well, when we were talking about him, I don't think Raheem Morris was hired as the coach at that time, was he? Maybe not. Yeah, Perhaps and that may have yet. been the thing. I think that was the shift for I me. Think it was, was the, the official. It was um, Zach Robinson definitely wasn't the OC yet, I think, probably. Yes. It was rumored that uh, Morris would bring him along from the Rams. Uh, that was confirmed, I think, sometime in the last two weeks since our early discussions. Yes. So I think that I'm capitulating Dario. So you can you can chalk that one up uh, in the W column for Dario. Make sure you guys are following Dario on the Twitter machine and also checking out all of the best ball rankings we have on Player Profiler. If you have a subscription, all you have to do is go to the player rankings and then click on the underdog rankings. We have them listed there. And uh, I mean... You can see we have the rankings. We also have the fancy points per game in 2023, the best ball uh, points added in 2023, their ADP, I think, uh, for 2024. And if there's any other staff picks that we need to, uh, that that are my guys here on the staff, you can also see that in our player rankings. The best part is if you have a subscription to playerprofiler.com, you can just download these rankings and then upload them to underdog so you can draft with them. And if you miss a pick, guess what? You've got our rankings to back you up um, right there. So, and then there are some States that require you to have rankings uploaded or made, and we're here to help you out in underdog fantasy. Make sure you're using the promo code underworld for a hundred percent deposit match up to one hundred dollars uh before we get into the last couple players on our show sheet uh flow source jumps in and says locket a guy who has never finished worse than wide receiver 32 is now being drafted as wide receiver uh 64 uh it's wide receiver 54 on underdog right now is as far as i'm maybe i need to refresh it yeah i'm seeing i'm seeing 54 as well could have been a typo there from okay from flosaurus that's Um, okay but still pretty late he makes a great point nonetheless the the best ball value rating for for tyler lockett historically has been very very good um typically if you are getting a best ball value rating of at least six uh, you're doing pretty well and you're not going to dip below four 
almost ever. So last in, in 2023, he did have a 5.3 best ball value rating, but in 2022, a 7.1 over the last three years from 2022 to 2020, a 7.23. So this is a player who's very much been in that five to seven range pretty much his entire career. And we've liked that he is getting, we talked about age cliff about Tyreek Hill um, and slowing down first non thousand yard season in what seems to be forever for Tyler Lockett. But I think if he lands on somewhere else, he can be, you know, um, a golden Tate type, you know, it may be obviously a different stature, but he can play out of the slot. He can move around. He can win. Um, whether it's staying in Seattle or moving on. But Tyler Lockett is a player that I think, uh, you know, taking late shots on a spike week king, I think he has an interesting pathway and is does not have as high of a risk, you know, to to busting as uh, as his ADP indicates. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those players like you want to mix in floor and ceiling if if you're drafting four rookie wide receivers on your early best ball teams, but Tyler Lockett's going to be real nice to kind of help stabilize that, that positional floor week to week. And he's still going to, I think he's always going to be a spike week player. I mean, he's going to have, you know, last season you're talking about games, you know, three games of 20 plus fantasy points. Uh, Not every guy who is kind of being drafted in that range has the potential to give you, that type of upside in a given week. But I mean, I think that's, is that, would you say that's enough for our uh, locket tangent? Want to talk about our next guy? (laughs) We will be locked into our next player. And that is optimism about David Montgomery right now. David Montgomery, 73rd overall on underdog fantasy He's going as the running back 20 and looking at the players ahead of him. It just makes sense that we want to be a little bit higher on David Montgomery. Uh, He's going behind Nick Chubb, behind Tazi Spears, behind Aaron Jones. Uh, I do like Aaron Jones a lot for what it's worth. And we Uh, do like Tajay Spears as well. (laughs) We do like Spears. Uh, But Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry, like these are the crusty old veteran running backs. But David Montgomery, nothing's going to change for him. That's the reality. And so getting him at running back 20 when he was uh, the 20, 28th overall player in terms of best ball value rating last year, he finished with 10.2, 10.2. And I was talking earlier about like, you know, four to six is not too bad, but getting a 10 and that late, like even if he falls to like four or five, six best ball value rating, like that's very valuable. Uh, for what you're getting at the running back 20 spot. Um, the only concern we ever have for these types of players is the positional uh, fear that uh, that he would yeah. get injured. The uh, that, But that's positional fear. That's structural fear. It is not afraid of what David Montgomery, because we saw Monty and Jameer Gibbs coexist in this Lions offense. And he's, I mean... He's being drafted in that range that you actually want to be targeting running backs. I mean, his ADP is six rounds, five or six rounds below his teammate, Jameer Gibbs, who um, last time I checked, the Lions gave Montgomery more carries in their NFC championship game. Like, I think 
am I saying that's 100% guaranteed to continue? Not necessarily, but you don't need it to in order for him to pay off that ADP. I mean, he was running back 17 overall, and he missed a couple of games due to concussions. Um, I guess one concussion, I should say. Um, so I don't see how David Montgomery is going to... like. It's really hard to see a path to failure for him while healthy behind this offensive line. I think maybe they integrate Jameer Gibbs more into the rushing attack this upcoming season, but they paid David Montgomery good money last off season. He's not going anywhere. And the lions offensive line, the lions running game are just things we want to be invested in. And I mean, you talk about positional injury risk, like he's a guy with, absolutely nuclear contingent upside should mm. anything happen to Jameer Gibbs. And that's really what we saw ultimately when Gibbs was out for that little bit of time throughout the season. It was Monty was just an absolute monster. So not only is it speculative theoretical upside, we've actually seen it come to fruition in the season. So we want to be very much smashing the David Montgomery uh, draft button and that's something that's another reason why you kind of do want to be uh, in the zero RB streets like this is or a hero RB streets. Like, yeah, I mean, drafting zero or one in the early rounds and then just smashing the Aaron Jones, smashing the David Montgomery's of the world that are in that like that 65 to 75 overall. Um, and then there's a few players later that I'm I'm shocked that they're this low, but we'll. That's for another podcast. Yeah, anytime you can get Montgomery in that seventh round as your RB two is just like chef's kiss for, yeah. for a best ball draft. Uh, and there's a couple of running. I mean, I know he's not on our show sheet here, but in this same range, I mean, we talked about Raheem Mostert when we were making these rankings. Yes. And I mean, if you just take everything we just said about David Montgomery and square that, like crank it up to 11, um, that's pretty much the case for Raheem Mostert in 2024. I, I had to double check whether he's still under contract with the Dolphins, and he is. Like, Because I, I was trying to think of like why people would be fading him this hard. I, I think that, you know, in the I saw on the Twitter streets, people were speculating where his 2024 ADP would open up. And like, I think most people would have told you he's going to be like a typical dead zone back in the fourth or fifth round. Um, just coming off of the production he had last season. And instead, we're seeing him at an ADP of almost 90 overall. You can get him comfortably in the eighth round of your drafts. And um, did we already forget that he scored, was it 20 touchdowns last year? <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, sure, he's been injury prone, but I'll I'll take a guy with the that just scored 20 touchdowns in the eighth round. Yeah. Thank you. And his ADP has even fallen since we've looked at this and it continues to like bizarrely fall. He's under contract. Devon HN is under contract and HN. We we've talked about his size before that. He's just not built to handle 20 plus carries. And this Miami dolphins offense under Mike McDaniel has shown time and again that they are willing to have multiple backs get double digit touches and 
Double digit touches for Miami Dolphins running backs equals fantasy points, especially for the speedsters like A-Chan and Mostert. Uh, crazy saying that Mostert's still a speedster, but he is, even despite the fact that he is, you know, way past the age cliff and has suffered multiple injuries, soft tissue, blah, blah, blah. But uh, we want to be in on Raheem Mostert, David Montgomery. Um, uh, one other aside before we finish off with our last two players is uh, is Tony Pollard. And Pollard is going right now as the running back 23, 78th overall. And he was, shout out to Andrew Erickson for this this research uh, out of uh, Fantasy Pros. But you can verify it on PFF. Tony Pollard was the number one PFF graded rushing running back from weeks 11 onward. So for the second half of the season, once he was fully recovered from that fibula injury, once he finally said, you know what, I'm feeling myself. Yeah, he was. And he just fell on the wrong side of variance. And that doesn't reassure my wife, you know, when I tell her that I drafted so much Tony Pollard and it just fell on the wrong side of variance, babe, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like that does not make her feel good about it, but I'm here to be hurt again by Tony Pollard. And now his ADP is not at the one, two turn, but instead is at 78th overall. And I get it. There's contract, blah, 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 whatever. I think it makes sense for Dallas to bring him back and then add a bruiser, you know, like a, a Derrick Henry type. But Tony Pollard was able to coexist with Ezekiel Elliott last, like two years ago. In fact, the two games where Tony Pollard finished as the running back one and running back two in weekly scoring, Zeke had a combined 32 touches in those games. It's funny because, you know, how funny how funny would it be if they brought back Zeke again just to just to do the Zeke role all over again? I mean, we saw Pollard's yards per carry fall from 5.2 to 4 flat um, just from 2022 to 2023. But like you said, his explosiveness was back after he was feeling healthy again. I think uh, it's a very enticing narrative. And I also want to clarify, I don't know, I I kind of disagree with you on the note of A-Chan not being able to take the workload. I just want to um, put, put it out there that me liking Mostert is by no means me fading A-Chan in 2024. I think he's absolutely built different, um, freak of nature, and he's going to continue crushing it for us in fantasy. I am not out on A-Chan either, for the record, <laughs> just because I am saying he's not going to get 20 carries a game. Uh, he can certainly... Uh, he can certainly crush for fantasy and deserves his second round ADP for sure, because he has the pathway to pay it off because of that explosiveness, the efficiency, right. all of that on 15 touches a game. A-chan could be a top five fantasy running back. He doesn't I mean, and he handled a big workload at Texas A&M. That's the thing to keep in mind. I mean, he was a 200 carry 30 reception guy in his last year of college. So, you know, I think he, could handle 20 plus touches in which case you know if, if somebody came from the future and told me that a chan was getting you know 300 touches next season i'd be drafting him in the first round easily um and i think that he's a very exciting player and just because you know just because he is appealing doesn't mean that raheem mostert is not and vice versa agreed there draft all the miami running backs Number seven, Dario, we can't talk 
about anything without bringing it back to my Packers. This is a Homer <laughs> pick. It must be a Homer pick. I, I, Dario, you come on this podcast. You've realized that you see all the Robert Tunyon signed jerseys. You've got the, the Green Bay Packers helmets up there. You've got uh, off screen is a Bakhtiari jersey that's signed. Lazard, I think you've made don't fun you, of mine. Lazard. Don't you live in Detroit? <laughs> I do. I do. Ooh. I'm a huge Packers fan, and my Ooh, wife and family man. are not. I know. But we have to talk about it. This is best ball. These are the best ball streets. Christian Watson is extremely undervalued in the best ball streets. He's not to be trusted in the redraft streets, but we talk about a player who can access elite ceilings and it's Christian Watson in 2022, a 6.2 best ball value rating last year, even though he left multiple games early due to injuries, still a 4.7 best ball value rating. That was very close to, that was very close to the Jaden Reed uh, best ball value rating, despite the fact that Christian Watson hit a floor of 12.5 fantasy points in half point scoring at half the rate, which means that he had to make up for that best best ball value rating with higher ceiling performances. And that's what he does. He is a freak athlete. He is a deep ball uh, aficionado and the the unluckiness of the beginning of the year, like Jordan Love looked like arguably the worst quarterback in the NFL for the first few games of the season. He just was missing, missing, missing deep balls. And it was clear that Watson had not built the chemistry to start the season. And then right when it looked like Watson was peaking, he gets injured again. Yeah. And so, right. And so like, just when we saw like a huge spike week from Watson, he's, he's down again. And so there's nothing to argue about Christian Watson except for the fact that he he gets injured. But guess what? The Packers have fired just about every single other coach except for their head coach. And they are bringing in, especially in a new strength and conditioning coach. And Christian Watson himself is doing a lot of reflection about how he is getting prepared for the season because he's dealt with these soft tissue issues over the first two seasons. I think his value uh, is one that we should not be ignoring. And at wide receiver 42, it's very easy to see a pathway. That's like his floor in terms of best ball value. Like a back end wide receiver four is like his floor because he's going to offer you massive spike weeks that are irreplaceable at 82nd overall in ADP. We want to be taking him much earlier than that. Mm -hmm. and, and honestly, the big reason that I think we have him this high, I remember kind of the 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 discourse you and I had and it kind of came down to like Christian Watson or George Pickens head to head and we both liked Christian Watson better I think um George Pickens is going casual round and a half earlier in ADP um so I think with I mean one of those guys has a quarterback in 2024 the other one doesn't one of those guys has Arthur Smith as his offensive play caller in 2024. The other one doesn't. Um, so I think that, that that's kind of the biggest move, or the biggest comparison head-to-head -head that spurred us to vault Christian Watson in these rankings. Yeah, and not it has nothing to do with my Green Bay Packers bias. It has absolutely nothing to do with it. I just want Zero, to I wouldn't allow it. 
it's not that I bullied, you know, uh, bullied Dario into making sure that we talked about a Green Bay Packers player on our on our podcast. The last player, though, is one that uh, if Theo Greminger is listening or watching, he needs to shut his ears. He needs to close his ears. He needs to like put on uh, cover it, cover it up, put in the plugs. That's the it's that Dalton Kincaid. We are about a half round below uh, on Dalton Kincaid. Dawson Knox is under contract for 2024. And uh, that is a concern for Dalton Kincaid because in the 11 games with Dawson Knox, this is data from Jared Smola uh, of Draft Sharks. Shout out to him because Smola is crushing it. Uh, Kincaid in his 11 games with Dawson Knox, less than five targets per game, less than a 15% target share in the five games without Dawson Knox, seven and a half targets per game, nearly a 20% target share. So we see like a 30 plus percent jump in everything across the board for uh, Dalton Kincaid without Dawson Knox, but Dawson Knox is going to be back. And I think that looking at that tight end landscape, like, Dalton Kincaid's going as the tight end six. Why not just wait a little bit for Evan Ingram or David Njoku or Jake Ferguson or Dallas Goddard? Like those guys are more likely to give you the outcome that you want. And I think the only thing that's really driving up Dalton Kincaid is the fear that you're going to lose out on the stack of Kincaid and Josh Allen. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a little bit of kind of, um, coincidental things going on with that particular stat where like Dalton Kincaid definitely came on stronger just to toward the end of the season. I'd be curious to see those splits just in the games after Knox was back from injury and excluding the sort of early season, lower production for Kincaid. But I, nonetheless, I totally agree with you that like, I mean, even Brock Bowers going around later in ADP and Joku two rounds later. Um, I mean, Gosh, I, I, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be like probably duped by Kyle Pitts again this season. Uh, I'm fully ready to be hurt again uh, by Kyle Pitts in a 10th round ADP uh, or sorry, not 10th. He's like ninth um, right around pick 96. Um, so I think that Dalton Kincaid is a little rich considering the usage we saw for him. I mean, his his a dot was six yards flat the there's a lot of things to uh nitpick in the way that bill's offense came together by the end of the season and uh i think that it's it's a little worrisome to see kincaid at that adp for sure yeah it's just so rich and you need the the massive spike weeks to pay off that type of adp for a tight end like the the Titans who are going above them, the Laportas, we've seen it. The Kelseys, we've seen it. McBride, Andrews, Kittle, we've seen that. It's not been as strong of evidence in the rookie year for Kincaid. Uh, we've seen it from Engram, but uh, the concerns are that you're taking much more risk. The opportunity cost is so high for a Dalton Kincaid player who. Yes, had a nice profile, good profile, first-round draft capital uh, pedigree, but Kincaid ultimately 
you know, did not pay off his ADP last year, and he was being drafted pretty early last year as well. And you don't find best ball teams with Dalton Kincaid winning best ball teams oftentimes with Dalton Kincaid on them. So <laughs> sorry. The ultimate indictment. But <laughs> well, Dario, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on Stack Hunters. Uh Make sure you guys are following Dario on the Twitter machine, checking out all of his work on playerprofiler.com. What other drops do you want to make, Dario, before we close out tonight? That's the big one. I mean, we've got so much coming. I mean, the, the breakout finder um, is going to be rearing its head soon. We got, they're going to have some combine numbers coming in for the prospects. Uh, the player profiler rookie guide, as always, is already in the works. Yes. Uh, and then we are going to have our seasonal rankings for 2024. I mean, right now we've got these best ball rankings working on our proper seasonal projections as we speak. So just a lot of exciting stuff coming down the pipe for you here from Player Profiler. And yeah, my Twitter is just at Dario Ofstein. So that's where you can find me. All right, y'all. It's been a blast. On behalf of, on behalf of Dario, I'm Bradley. Until next time, good luck in the best ball streets, everybody. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.